Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. Well, they were patriots, you know? They were avid patriots um, who risked everything. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Vic DeSanto talking about the captors of John Andre. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode of Dispatches is sponsored by Simon & Schuster, publisher of Liberty is Sweet, The Hidden History of the American Revolution by Woody Holton. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Vic DeSanto, and he'll be discussing some of the legends around the capture of Major John Andre. The capture of Major Andre is one of the most familiar stories of the American Revolution, but the details around the men who actually achieved this have largely been glossed over, and that's where Vic DeSanto and his new article really come into play. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Vic DeSanto. Vic DeSanto, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your background. I have a Ph.D. in American history from Binghamton University. I'm primarily a labor and a working class historian. My back, my uh, dissertation was actually on streetcar workers' unions during the Progressive Era. But I think when I started this research on this project, my background as a labor and working class history uh, lent itself to turning out a pretty decent product. Besides that, I worked at the State Museum, uh, New York State Museum, for three years, and I worked at State Parks, New York State Parks, as a historic preservation program analyst for 23 years before retiring. And now, you know, my retirement job is at the Iroquois Museum in House Cave. What first drew your interest into this topic? Well, I'm from Westchester County. I grew up in northern Westchester County in the town of Somers, where a lot of this action takes place. And I didn't know about much about the three captors at all. Um, I Every American school child learns about Benedict Arnold in elementary school, and in Westchester County, there are signs and historic markers relating to Andre's capture, transport, and execution. But I had never really heard of uh, David Williams until I moved to Schoharie County about 125 miles northwest about 20 years ago. Before that, I lived in Albany for about 20 years, so I really haven't lived in Westchester for 40 years. And uh, he moved up here in 1805. He was in his early 50s. It was kind of a retirement home for him. And he was uh, laid to rest eventually at the old stone fort in Schoharie, which is a a county historic site. And um, New York State put a monument honoring his contribution to the American 
cause in uh, 1876 during the Centennial Revolution, during the Centennial of the American Revolution. So that was my first introduction to David Williams, but I didn't really know all the intricacies of the story. About two years ago, I started looking into it, and I was surprised that um, all this transpired. You know, these guys are vaulted into fame, really, by George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, and everything is copacetic with them for 37 years, and then Benjamin Talmadge speaks out against them in 1817, and you would think things kind of fell apart after that, because if you read a lot of the current articles and books coming out, they just kind of dismiss these guys as either civilian roughnecks or, or skinners, and that wasn't the case in the 19th century. Talmadge took a lot of criticism for his comments, his negative comments about them. And as I said, like during the centennial of the American Revolution, New York State put a monument to David here, and 10,000 people showed up, which was the largest uh, crowd in Schoharie ever to that time. And also, I think a few years later, in 1780, uh, Terrytown put a statue of uh, John, I think it was Westchester County, put a statue of John Paulding in Patriots Park. And um, 70,000 people actually uh, turned up to that, I believe. So they were pretty popular during the 19th century. And now it seems either people don't know anything about them or they think they were really thugs. So that piqued my interest. Talk about Andre's capture for those who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, briefly, Ar- ben- Benedict Arnold was discontent about the way he was being treated. He felt he was being passed over promotions. Also, he had fiscal problems. Uh, he wasn't getting paid. He did try to resign. Washington wouldn't accept his resignation. He did ask to be put at West Point, and he conspired with the British to turn over West Point, the key defensive stronghold on the Hudson, to uh, the British. And also, there was hopes that the British would able to be able to capture uh, George Washington, who was actually traveling to Connecticut to meet with Arnold. Um, Andre and Arnold met in neutral territory. I think on the west side of the Hudson, around Havistraw, to negotiate a deal. Um, it took longer than they expected. They met. Arnold convinced Andre to enter the American lines. Meanwhile, some Americans fired on the ship, the vulture that brought Arnold down, causing it to retrieve backwater a little bit. Uh, daylight came. And Arnold convinced Andre to actually assume the disguised civilian, take plans or documents relating to West Point, which he hid in his boot, hid in his stocking, and also um, to assume a false identity. He gave him a pass made out to an alias, John Anderson. Now, all these were strictly forbidden by Sir Henry Clinton. He had told Arnold never take off his uniform if he was captured, give his real name, never to go into American territory. And he does all these things, irregardless. Anyway, Andre is instructed to uh, 
ride to the British outposts, either at White Plains, I believe, or in the Bronx, what is now the Bronx, was Westchester County back then, by horseback. Um, he crosses the Hudson with Joshua Smith, and then the two ride through northern Westchester as they near the Pines Bridge, crossing the Croton River. Smith tells Andre that the neutral zone is infested with cowboys and he would have to travel alone. So Andre's just riding south along the Albany Post Road when uh, three New York State militiamen, John Paulding, Isaac Van Wart, and David Williams, stop him. Paulding is wearing a green Hessian Jaeger uniform. Um, Andre mistakes him makes a big mistake. He says, my, my lads, I hope you belong to our party. And they play along, uh, say they did. And Andre confesses he's a British officer. He's, he's in a hurry. He's on important business. And they kind of lower the boom, identify them as Americans. Then Arnold, uh, Andre changes his story, says he's an American, and shows him a pass from Benedict Arnold, made out to John Anderson. So uh they insist on searching him, and they go through his person. They really find nothing until they pull off one of his boots. David Williams is actually the one searching him. And they find the um, documents relating to West Point. Paulding's the only one of the three that could read, so he struggles to read them, and then he declares he's a spy. And then Andre basically uh, offers him a bribe for safe passage, uh, which is a lot of money. The type of money he was offering was a lot for them. They were basically uh, farmhands at the time. They were driven off their farms in Terrytown and Mount Pleasant into the northern part of the county, and they were just really balancing militia work with uh, day work as farm laborers. And um, they refused it. They bring him to Colonel Jameson. The next day, Arnold uh, Andre is brought to South Salem, and he confesses in a letter to uh, Washington, his real identity. So that's it in a nutshell. What does it mean to be a Skinner? I use the term Skinner as the way the dictionary now defines it, which is kind of a group of uh, guerrillas fighting in the neutral ground that claim loyalty to the American side, but they fight really on both sides. They're really banditti. Um, Dr. James Thatcher in the fall of 1780 in his journal actually used the term Skinner to describe uh, what he called these outlaws or banditti. There's a debate. uh, Lincoln Diamant insists, a well-known Hudson Valley historian, that the Skinners were really British Tories uh, under Cortland Skinner from New Jersey. In my article, I kind of used uh, the term the way it's being used now, really, to, to decide groups of uh, guerrillas that really are out to rob and plunder more than uh, fight for the American cause. Talk about some of the folklore surrounding Andre's captors. Well, early on, George Washington and Alexander Hamilton accepted the story that 
they did their duty and that they were men of honor and virtue because they refused this large bribe for turning Andre in. That seems like it was unchallenged till 1817 when Benjamin Talmadge basically challenged uh, their credibility, basically saying they had only stopped Andre because they wanted to rob him. They only searched him because they were looking for plunder, and they only refused his bribe, which, because they expected to be uh, really get more for turning men, kind of like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And fourth, uh, Talmadge even climbed, claimed that they belonged to the class of men that often switch sides in the war and could be found in the enemy's camp at all, uh, in the enemy's camp as well as their own. As I said, it seems like during the 19th century, there's still, as far as I can tell, a lot of evidence that Talmadge's opinion wasn't respected to a large degree. But now, you know, you read a lot of the recent articles and books that are coming out in mass media or popular magazines, and, you know, it's come, they're just treated as uh, bandits that were just out to rob Andre and by luck found um, the documents to West Point that Arnold had given him in his boot. Talk a bit about his captors, if you could. David Williams had an interesting life. He was born around Ter- in Terrytown, 1754. His father was too poor to own his own farm. He rented and farmed as a tenant on Philippe's Manor. And he seems to just basically live on his father's farm until the war breaks out. Uh, A week after the call for volunteers go out um, regarding the invasion of Canada, he enlists on July 4th, 1775, in the 4th Regiment of the New York Line of Westchester County Volunteers. He serves at Fort Ticonderoga. He goes to, uh, he's at the Siege of St. John's and the Cap uh, Surrender of Montreal, and then he accompanies uh, Montgomery to Quebec. So his enlistment ends after uh, six months, December 31st. I don't know how long it took him to get back to the lower Hudson Valley, but eventually he does return. My guess is he that early in the war, he couldn't return to Philippe's Manor. He was the oldest of ten children, and he had siblings that were you know, just children 15 years younger than him. I think by putting, uh, he would have put them in danger plus himself by venturing out of across the Croton River. So, you know, there's kind of a question mark. He never really says what he did. He does say in the spring of 76, he enlisted in the militia. We don't know which militia unit. At that time in the summer, as the British were amassing troops in New York City, New York, uh, mandated that 25% of the militia units of of Westchester and Dutchess County be activated into uh, levies, state troop regiments, for the protection of New York State. My guess is he probably um, did end up in the the levy unit, although I really can't find documentation. There's just documentation that he was in militia units. And the Dutchess County and the Westchester militia fight on the New York campaign from the Battle of Long Island 
to the Battle of White Plains, and also the Dutchess County uh, Militia later on, uh, a year later, will be at Saratoga. Um, you know, his life seems fairly uneventful um, until he captures Andre. He's thrust into the national spotlight. He uh, is given a farm by New York State. He's given a $200 a year pension by the federal government. And he's awarded a Fidelity Medallion, um, which is also known as the Andre Capture Medallion, which is really the first military decoration in, in uh, United States history. And he's a guest of George Washington after the commander, after Washington presents the three of them uh, with the Fidelity Medallion. Um, afterwards, he stays in the northern part of the county after the war ends. He marries a woman who is actually the daughter of his employer, um, Nancy Benedict. And uh, he is a bit of a social climber at that point. Um, in 1789, when he gets his back pay, he's able to buy 140 acres from his father-in-law. His wife is well-educated. He can read, and I believe she teaches him to read and write, because by 1785, he's signing for his uh, back pay from the New York State Militia. And... In his obituary, it also says he was very fond of reading and had a huge uh, library. He does, uh, his feet are frozen while he's a member of the New York State levies in 78, and that kind of leaves him partially disabled for life, um, which is probably one of the reasons he came up here. The farm he bought is not really suitable for him. It's, it's more of like a retirement home. It's at a high elevation, and his pension was probably enough to live off of. So he also is uh, elected to a political office. He's elected to fence inspector in the town of Salem, which was a responsible position. A fence inspector was responsible for um, adjudicating boundary disputes between neighbors. So you think, you know, if this guy was running around during the war, like a lot of historians say he was, robbing cattle and plundering, you know, laying terror on the countryside. I don't think they would have elected him to a position like that. So um, he is honored throughout his lifetime. He, um, at the age of 75, he's invited down to New York City to help celebrate the recent uh, French Revolution in 1830. And it's also the 50th anniversary of Andre's capture. By that time, he's the only one left that's alive. And he uh, he rides in a parade with Enoch Crosby, the old spy, uh, at the head of a group of American Revolutionary War veterans. He's presented with a silver cup by a group of school children. Another group of school children presented him with a silver-headed cane. And there was also a play written about uh, the capture of Andre that first premiered in 1805. And they actually, I guess, ruled out a performance of that play for in 1830 and when the actor is playing David says his first lines he pauses and he walks forward and introduces David sitting in the first row as guest of honor and the audience just goes wild you know and he gets up and he waves and he bows and uh, on his way back he's guest of the governor of New York so I guess that was his kind of last um, time out in the public after that he dies about eight months later 
John Paulding is probably the best known of the captors. He's often looked at as the leader, I think because he's the largest at six foot, and he's supposed to be very stout and husky, very strong man. Uh, he supposedly, you know, realized right away that Andre was a spy and determined that, um, you know, we had to turn him in. I think Williams was a little more, you know, middle of the road at this point, at the beginning. And Paulding supposedly said the famous uh, words to Andre, no, not for 10,000 guineas, you should not steer a step, for we are Americans and above corruption, and go with us you must. I guess they added, and we are Americans and, uh, and above corruption afterwards. But supposedly they testified at the trial of Joshua Smith that he had said the other words. Um, once again, he's a member of the militia. He's activated on duty when the Phoenix and the Rose are in Tappan Zee. He's activated for six days. He uh, He's captured in White Plains, probably at the Battle of White Plains. Uh, he's ca- He manages to escape. He's captured another time. This time is kind of one of his legendary superhuman feats, superhero feats. He, uh, he basically escapes from where he's being held prisoner in a churchyard by having the other prisoners start a diversion by starting kind of a, a brawl. And while they're fighting, the guards rush over to them, and he scales a wooden fence. The story is that a black woman who sold fruit to the prisoners hit him out. He was able to obtain a Hessian uniform from some friends. He walks to the Hudson River unmolested in his Hudson in his uh, green uniform and uh, steals a rowboat, rows across the Hudson. He's brought to uh, Lafayette, and one of the Van Cortlands is there and recognizes him and vouches for him. He's brought back uh, to his lines across the river in Westchester to his unit, and uh, that's four days before the capture of Andre. After the war, uh, I don't know too much about him. I mean, he was the subject of a popular ballad which told the story of uh, Andre, John Paulding and the spy. He does marry three times. He outlives his first two wives. He fathers 19 children. What does your article conclude about these men? Well, they were patriots, you know. They were avid patriots um, who risked everything in order to support the cause of independence. I mean, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, and Washington and Hamilton made that call when this whole thing happened in September 1780. They were sent across the river to meet Washington, and I suppose Hamilton was there. And They interviewed him, interviewed them, and it's Washington who sends their name to Congress and, and suggests they should be amply rewarded and praises them to the limits. And it's Hamilton in private later, letters and later in newspaper and magazine stories that tell the story of Andre's captor capture. How does this article help us understand the revolutionary era better? Well, I think it supports the determination that was made by Washington and Hamilton. Washington was a good judge of character, and his talent was being able to surround people of ability around him. Hamilton, Jefferson, Henry Knox, Green. 
And he put his um, belief in the captors, which remained unchallenged until Talmadge did so 37 years later on the basis of what Andre told him. And I don't know why what anybody would believe Andre. It seemed like he lied every time his lips moved. He was a very charming man. I think he was convinced he could charm the rattles off a rattlesnake, and that's why he just disobeyed Clinton's orders and did what he did, tried to make it through the neutral ground on a very dangerous journey. And then he kind of twisted everything around and blamed everything on Arnold and his letters to Washington and was able to convince, you know, Talmadge that these men were really bandits. Um, I think it's a real travesty of justice. And a lot of these, a lot, the captors still have descendants alive, and I have met some of them. And they're familiar, some of them are familiar with the story of, of kind of the rise and fall. And they, they've thanked me for doing this. So I don't know if that really answers your question. <laughs> but uh, I think it shows that, um, you know, there's always more to learn. As long as this story has been hashed out for hundreds of years, as far as I can tell, I'm the first one that actually looked at their military records which aren't complete, you know, a lot of the headquarters in Westchester County where the militia stayed, Young's house and Van, Tassel, Van Tassel's house were burnt down during the war. But there's enough there to show that they were patriots. Vic DeSantis, thanks again. Okay, you're welcome. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.